Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. And we're brought to you by Bet Rivers, the latest lines in the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers has, is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is not only an all star, but an all star starter. Give you my thoughts. John Middlecoff this hour. We'll get to all of the coaching moves and we'll break down these two games. Plus, Jerry Jones says, Never did I ever waver. On Mike McCarthy as our head coach, do we believe him? Uh, Brandon Whedon, former Cowboys and Browns and Texans quarterback, will join us. You'll hear from Colin Cowherd as well as Dan Patrick. And wait to hear who the Raiders may hire as their next head coach. And Andrew Brandt will join us. We'll ask him about uh, the Packers and whether or not they need a rebuild or how hard it is to adjust their cap situation. Whew, we got a lot to get to. Let's start with uh, one of the two games of the weekend. I think it's the premier game of the weekend. You have the Niners taking on the Rams. The Niners, of course, have beaten the Rams six consecutive times. Lots of lots of different storylines. Right? Kyle Shanahan's ownership of Sean McVay. Jimmy Garoppolo and the potential that this is his last start, his last game with the San Francisco 49ers. You also, of course, have the pressure on Matt Matthew Stafford. You have the pressure on the Rams fans to show up because... Oh my God, it was crazy. But uh, let's start with Kyle Shanahan. He said this about Jimmy Garoppolo. They probably feel a need to stick up for him, you know, so social media probably hasn't been that great. So I'm glad they're sticking up for him because what they say is the truth. I mean, Jimmy is one of the main reasons we're here. He's done an unbelievable job. People don't give him enough credit. Um, yeah, we win as a team, and that's why he doesn't always have the same stats as some of these MVP candidates have and stuff. But Jimmy's a very good quarterback, and he doesn't worry about any of that stuff. He doesn't worry about social media. That's why he's a little similar to me. He probably doesn't have as much of an idea as that stuff, and he never really changes. And I think that's what people respect the most most about him all right so like look he's steady eddie he doesn't he's not a social media guy he uses a flip phone um he whittles everything out of wood right he's just doesn't even use deodorant he's just all natural that's that that's who he is he's got a certain mcconaughey do you guys know that mcconaughey supposedly not a deodorant guy i i don't i get the whole pheromones thing but you know give me some give me some deodorant and and actually give me some antiperspirant too Right? You ever gotten that where you get the de- somebody gives you a deodorant? You're like, that smells good. And you put it on. You're like, that doesn't work at all. Like, yeah, because it doesn't have antiperspirant in it. Well, I didn't want you to have the aluminum. I, I want all whatever aluminum it is. I want my pits to stop stinking and smelling and sweating if possible. That is an aside. That supposedly is the is the McConaughey thing. Get him late in the day and whoo, whoo. Anyway. Uh, here's George Kittle, who also came to his quarterback's defense. He's been incredible. Been nothing but inviting. I think him and Trey are really good friends. I think he's taught him a lot of things. I hope Trey has been like a sponge and absorbed all the information he could from Jimmy. Strictly because, like I said earlier, I mean, Jimmy came from a room with Tom Brady. I think he brought a lot of those attributes that Tom brought and from leadership to uh, just his work ethic. He's been fantastic every single day this year, you know. As a leader, as a quarterback, as a captain on this team. Shows up, he's consistent every single day. He leads this team. He doesn't worry about the outside world. All he does is worry about... Uh, 
uh, you know, his job is playing uh, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And when you're the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, you kind of have a spotlight on you just based on the players that have played the position before you. And there's a lot of people that always try to consistently bring you out of that spotlight. And all Jimmy has done is stand firm and continue to throw darts left and right to all of us. So I just appreciate that from him. So, so look, a lot of this is the pushback from Enoch Himes. And um, look, she's, she's not the only, uh, I would guess, person who's covering the NFL, who's offered opinions, stepped out of the quote-unquote reporter's role. Um, I think some of what's happened is not her fault. It's the fault of her bosses. Some of it is the reality of how people in the NFL really feel. Football people feel. It's not that she hasn't played football in the NFL. She hasn't actually played football. And there's just, a, it's different when you've played a sport. It's fine. Doesn't mean you have to have played a sport at a high level in order to have a high level of understanding of things. And by the way, a layman can look and go, well, you can tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo is your dude, but you, you've moved mountains to go and draft another dude. And he's clearly going to be the next guy. So I, I think the truth is, and one of the reasons that I sit in the middle of so many of these debates, and even though my opinions get pulled to one side or the other, is that's where generally the truth lies. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a terrible quarterback. His team would not continue to win if he wasn't one mobile, didn't have an understanding of where the ball was supposed to go, and he couldn't make most of the throws. Is he a superstar quarterback? No, I don't think anybody would respond in that way. And the fact is that there's a reason that he threw the ball eight times a couple years ago when they're in the NFC Championship game. One, they had a lead, they were mashing him. But two, Jimmy has a tendency to make a, mis- make a mistake or two. And if you can eliminate the possibilities of mistakes, you're going to give yourself a much greater chance to win. That, that's sports 101, let alone football 101. The, the truth does lie somewhere in the middle. It's like... The truth of Deshaun McVay, Sean McVay owned by Shanahan. Shanahan in his head. Actually, McVay was asked such a question. Take a listen to his response. Knowing Kyle Shanahan so well and with the success that the 49ers have been able to have against you, is Kyle in your head at all, you know, in terms of trying to get past these guys? No. Um, what I what I do have is respect for these guys. They've done a great job. You know, you look at it. You got to play well in that three and a half hour window that we're allotted. You look at the last time that we played him, didn't finish the game, but but this is a really good football team. We have a lot of respect for him, but, um, you know, we're competing and, and preparing to the best of our ability to go out and, and see if we can advance. But this is a really good team. Kyle's an excellent coach. They got great players, great coaches, good schemes. And so it's why they're in the NFC Championship. Here's uh, Kyle Shanahan, same day, yesterday, asked basically about that that exchange with a local reporter in San Francisco. Yesterday, Sean McVay was asked if you're in his head and not going to ask you the clunky question, but do you sort of enjoy that he has to answer that question right now? Not really. I think that's, I mean, I think it's kind of silly. I mean, I think a question like that is just giving Sean and myself way too much credit. We're coaches. Watch what's going on on that field and some of the players out there and the people that are competing and uh, think that it's about Sean and I. I know he doesn't feel that way and he knows I don't feel that way. So, you know, the entertainment of this business is cool and stuff because it brings a lot of fans and um, brings a lot of money for everybody. But I I think that's kind of pretty ridiculous. I don't give coaches that much credit. Right. That's a... That's that's Kyle Shanahan. Again, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? Is it all the players? No. Is it some of their schemes and how they match up? Sure. And some of the knowledge of it? Yes. 
but a play here, a play there, the health of a team. The fact is that the Rams didn't have to win that game. You know, I don't think they went into a victory lap, but they did start to play careless, much the way they played careless in Tampa this past weekend. And some of it is that over the last six games, what's the biggest flaw been in the Rams? Ask any Rams fan. They'll tell you their offensive line since they went to a Super Bowl has been a problem. What's the strength of the San Francisco 49ers? Their defensive front. Right? It is. Their defensive front. And while they have a, a prodigious pass rush, again, the, the weakness is the ability to consistently kind of stop the run, especially at the edges, which is where Debo Samuel runs the football, right? And stopping George Kittle, like that's not a guy who their defense is, their defense is designed a little bit differently, right? Jalen Ramsey, take away your best player. You know, get a lead, run the football, short the game, pressure the quarterback. And they struggle with that going against the, going against the, the, the Niners. Like the, the reason that I don't have to leave the center is one that's where I truly believe my, my beliefs lie on kind of both sides of the aisle, both sides of the argument. But it's also where the truth generally lies. McVeigh isn't owned by Shanahan, but Shanahan's scheme and style and the build of that team really gives the Rams fits. Really gives the Rams fits. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a terrible quarterback. He is a winning quarterback. He does understand the offense. He can put the ball in some tight windows. He can make some great throws. But let's not sit here and put him in the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, carry a team. That ain't him. And he is prone to the big mistake. And the best way to cut down on those mistakes is to have him hand the football off. The Niners watched the tape just like we did of the Super Bowl. And they didn't think he's good enough. That's why they made the play. You know, that's why they made a play to go get Trey Lance. So they can all get lined up and tell you how great Jimmy Garoppolo is. But if he's really that great, they wouldn't have a quarterback waiting in the wings to take over next year, would they? Of course not. Of course not. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We got a lot to get to here. Um, John Minokoff will join us in a second. So Andrew Wiggins is not only a first-time All-Star, but he's an All-Star starter. Here's Steph Curry on Andrew Wiggins being named an All-Star starter. X was going crazy, celebrating Wiggs yeah. and his uh, his first one. So it was pretty special. Good energy coming into the game tonight, and obviously for him, amazing accomplishment and all he's been through his career, well deserved. And I know we're all like just crazy excited for him to get his first experience. Feel a little overshadowed in the moment in the group chat and everything. Yeah, I think there was like a 30 minute delay before Draymond realized he had to say congratulations to me. <laughs> So Steph Curry, who, you know, he's gone through a slump here recently, right? But he's averaging 26 a game. He's sitting there going, hey, it was, it was all about Andrew Wiggins. And, and I think it's great. You know, Wiggins has been really good this year, um, especially 
you know, as they were winning early in the year, playing without Clay Thompson. And now with Clay returning, uh, he gets to be what I think is kind of the best version of himself, if you will, which is, you know, an ancillary weapon. But what we do is, and look, he, he had some huge, huge games. You know, 35 against Minnesota. Um, uh, you know, he had, uh, there's there's a couple of the 28 in a loss to Charlotte where he's 12 of 19 from the floor. 28 against Orlando. 27 and 6 against the Boston Celtics in a win in December. It's not that this guy stinks. Let's let's not sit here and go Andrew Wiggins stinks. But th- this is what society has become. The, the 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 Warriors are kind of a perfect snapshot of society. Like take that Celtics game for example. And Steph was 8 of 21. Okay, he had 30 points. He was actually a minus 10, had six turnovers. They beat the Celtics. Andrew Wiggins had 27. He was amazing. Draymond Green only had 6, right? They just found a way to win the game. Found a way to win the game. And you're like, well, he was the clear number two. Well, the first thing is that I think you can hear from that cut. You can see in reality, like when you, when you get ready to play the Golden State Warriors, the first, second, and third thing you're thinking of is Steph Curry, right? And then there's the, how do we guard Draymond Green? And then right now there's Andrew Wiggins. But then you add in Clay Thompson, and he becomes really option four, even if he's scoring option three. But I, I think that here's where the snapshot of society. Andrew Wiggins was never a bust, but he was the number one overall pick in 2014. So everything that he does is going to be hyper-analyzed, right? Hyper-analyzed. And the problem of being a number one pick is that when Joel Embiid has a better career than you, we start to sit there and go like, well, he's a bust. Here's the, here's the truth of Andrew Wiggins. Here's the truth. It was Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid, Aaron Gordon, Dante Exum. Dante Exum's not even in the league anymore. Marcus Smart, Julius Randle, Nick, St- Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton, Doug McDermott, Dario Sarge, Zach Levine, TJ Warren, Adrian Payne. That's the top 15 of the draft. So what happens is when you're the number one overall pick, everybody hyper-focuses on your success or failure. You're supposed to be a perennial NBA all-star the way that Joel Embiid is. Look, Joel Embiid only dropped in that draft because he was hurt. And then he was hurt again and again. Jabari Parker didn't go number one, and he's barely in the NBA. Granted, he suffered a knee injury, suffered some injuries, but a lot of it was bad body and the fear that he would get hurt Aaron Gordon statistically has had a successful run, been a dunk champion, but, you know, he's a fourth weapon on a team. The, the truth is that as the number one overall pick in that draft, you, you probably would, now you'd have Embiid instead of him and, and, and likely Zach Levine instead of him. But if the draft were to come, come out now, knowing what you know, Yeah, Embiid would go ahead, but we got to remember, Embiid was hurt. So I think the pushback has been people were so harsh over their critique of Andrew Wiggins, who was traded before he ever played a game with the Cleveland Cavaliers, that this is almost 
a complete swing in a different direction. See, he's awesome. He's good. He's, he's not awesome. Right? Like if we're being real, and we if the five Western Conference starters, uh, five Western Conference starters, five guys in the Western Conference should be LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, but Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, I don't know if you list Carl Anthony Towns because he plays for a bad team or a- a- even Anthony Edwards also plays for a bad team. You know, De'Aaron Fox plays for a horrible team. So that's the best player, best player on a, on a bad team sort of thing. But when we start digging into, okay, now we got to get to Andrew Wiggins, who's the third or fourth best player on his own team. He's had a really, really good first couple of months. Is that an NBA all-star that make, you know, I mean, Jordan Poole is not Jordan Poole's a notch behind him. You know, Draymond hasn't played the whole time. Feels really weird to be, to be putting him there and, and doesn't feel a- accurate. Right. Do I think he's an all-star? Yeah. How he's played the first half of the year. I have no problem with it. Do I think he's an all-star starter? Now you're just making it laughable that you're voting for a guy because you've been told he sucks, which again, that's, that's part of the problem with social media. Nobody is, Hey, he's really good. He's just not a great player. You're either great or you're awful and there's nothing in between. And that's not accurate. It's not accurate. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 PM. Eastern noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. Hope you're having a wonderful day. My man, John Middlecoff joining us as we're three days into golf this week. Has it Tory Pines uh, starting on a Wednesday? How's that work for your schedule? Uh, fantastic. You know, I mean, uh, when you got TV in the office, uh, I can't complain, but the problem is I uh, put a little money on Bryson DeChambeau and he was pumping balls all over the place and he got sent home. You know, it's a little, usually the cuts on Friday, but because I get the PGA tour credit, they said, we ain't going up against the national football league and, and they adjusted and uh, smart move. Yeah. They, they saw what happened to the NBA versus the NFL during COVID. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we don't want that smoke. We, we want nothing to do with that, with that smoke. Um, it is interesting. I, maybe this is for a podcast you and I should do, but I wonder if golf could be doing this more in the future, right? If there's a way to, you know, in terms of TV viewership on during the day, during the week, the problem is that they need those weekends. They need the Saturday and Sunday to, to fill up the events. I just wonder if there's a way to, to, well, to, well, well, to, me, to me, Doug, the, the summer open real estate, you know, all their majors are fine, but you saw this year, the Ryder cup. Can you imagine if they could just bump that up even against like training camp and stuff in August instead of doing it in September against the NFL, because the best days are Saturday and Sunday and college football in the NFL are just so massive. So if you can just, you know, maybe that tour championship, they, they do the playoffs at the end with all the big money. If you could maybe get that at the end of July, maybe even early August and, and, you know, do some of the team events mid to late August before week one, maybe even that first week of September, uh, you kind of would get it to yourself. I've always thought the NBA, I mean, I watched, you know, the Warriors a lot, but holy moly, they've had a lot of games this year, you know, on Sunday. And I just, I, I mean, it's the NFL, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I, I they, they just got to get them in 
The, the Sunday thing has kind of worked for him, right? It's it, That's an a, ABC ESPN thing, right? They need the programming. But yeah, nobody pays attention to it at all. Um, okay, let, let's, get to, let's get to some football stuff. Before we get to the actual games, I've heard people go like, well, the Bears should have hired an offensive coach. Like, you mean like Mark Tressman or Matt Nagy? <laughs> I mean, see, it seems to be working out pretty good in Buffalo with having a defensive guy as your head coach. I think it's going to work out in L.A. with, uh, with the Chargers having a defensive guy. Does it, does it actually matter if you have an offensive-minded head coach to develop a young quarterback? Well, I mean, I, I would lean offense, but, you know, I'm biased. The two guys I worked for were offensive guys. I mean, I've seen it firsthand here with Kyle Harbaugh. Uh, but, you know, Sean McDermott's a good example. I, I worked with him in Philly. Super smart guy. You know, he is obviously a really good head coach. He has benefited, and he deserves credit for this, for hiring an excellent offensive coordinator. And he's, you know, I would say in this day and age, when you get a guy is having as much success as they've had the last couple of years in offense, like it's kind of crazy that he even kept him this year. But for whatever reason, you know, he didn't get hired last year. It seems like he's a lock to get hired this year. For the first time, there's going to be offensive coordinator turnover. But if you're a high-level guy, and I, I don't know that much about Uberflus, beside, you know, Josh McDaniels likes him for whatever that means, and that's the reason he was in Indy, right, not Frank. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think sometimes we can make a little much of it now. You know, their number one goal in their franchise is not playing defense at this point. It's going all in and figuring out how to get the most out of this young quarterback, which they traded a first-round pick for. Uh, and that, I, I don't know how much Uberflus, you know, it can do. But, you know, it's only time will tell. But I'm with you. I mean, I think half, a lot of these coaching hires, we see it every year, are not going to work out offensively or defensively. So just get the right guy and then figure it out from there. But he's got to – hire a good offensive coordinator and it feels like he, you know I don't know Brian Johnson from the Eagles maybe he's going to the Packers maybe it's Getzy from the Packers whatever you do get a guy that can help out Justin Fields because he, he's got a lot of work to do um okay Nathaniel Hackett first of all I'm, I'm a little disturbed that he goes by Nathaniel right like what's the matter with the name Nate Nate's an awesome name I anyway agree. yeah I, I just I really I'm, I'm a little I'm a little bothered by that one but uh regardless Nathaniel Hackett like how is that as obvious as we all think it is in trying to get Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this. You know, it, it'd be a, it's a big deal in my community, Doug. I'm born and raised in Davis. This is a UC Davis graduate. So to get a head coach in the NFL, you know, we've had Chris Peterson, we've had Bilotti, but to get, you know, a head coach in the National Football League is a big deal. My dad was a UC Davis guy. They, they can be a little – they're smart guys. I mean, it's a good school. It's, it's hard to get into – and thinking back to LaFleur, I give the Packers credit now looking back. They needed to get a guy intellectually who could see eye-to-eye with Aaron. Obviously, Mike did not. And clearly, him and LaFleur have had a really good relationship for a couple of years now. Well, Nathaniel Hackett kind of feels like he's cut from that same cloth, right? UC guy, smart guy. His dad was a coach for Walsh. Uh, him and Aaron clearly get along. And yeah, I mean, it's Let's face it, I, I have a lot of friends that work in, like, the construction industry, and, you know, whenever you're out kind of hearing stories from them, when they get a deal, like when they land a bid, it's not always because, like, they just did the correct work and got the right number. It's kind of doing deals with friends. That's just kind of the way the world works. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty clear that – because forever everyone's like, oh, this, you know, general – I call him General Patton, the GM – for the Broncos, like he's good buddies with Dan Quinn. He's just going to hire his buddy. And then he started realizing like, yeah, I like Dan, but uh, 
this guy's going to land me Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you're a college basketball guy. What happens when these high school coaches or these brothers land on staffs? I mean, they, they do it for a reason, right? Totally. Totally. I mean, Cade, Cade Cunningham's brother was hired, you know, like, yeah, he was an assistant coach at, at, at uh, SMU for a minute, but why do you think they hired him? You know, as famous Ed Manning, da- Danny Manning. Um, Oh, okay. did you now? Now it's going to be complicated, though. I mean, I, I don't they think have to, just, they have to trade him. Just, yeah, and and the Packers aren't. You know, I, I think people sometimes just think because we see a lot of this stuff happen in the NBA. You know, the Packers aren't just like, oh, here, just give us your second round pick and Jerry Duty, good to go, right? I, I and you know, if I'm giving Aaron Rodgers, especially if he's going to go there and sign an extension, I'm going to want a lot. I know, listen, he underwhelmed a little bit, you know, game against the Niners, but he, he basically guarantees them a playoff berth. So uh, he, he's worth – they're, they're going to ask for a lot. Do you think he leaves? I do. I just – it kind of just feels like it's over. Now, yeah. from just a pure football standpoint, I would say that's not the right move because I think people make too big a deal. They're over the cap. Well, you just – the cap's going up one. You can cut players. It happens. I think – the average turnover in the NFL every year on a roster is like anywhere from high 20s to like mid 30%. So there's natural turnover with guys leaving. You also, when you sign extensions, like if they signed Aaron Rodgers to, you know, a huge $180 million extension and Devontae right. Adams to $70 million, you move that money back. So their cap hit looks like a rookie, you know, that first couple years. So Right. Plus David Bakhtiari, they can redo that deal. He hadn't even had played under his new contract. The Packers, they're going to kick ass and take names next year. But to me, it does feel like, and you know, me and you are from out here on the West Coast. Sometimes West Coast people just kind of drawn back and maybe he's just over the community. You know, and, and I also hear like, well, what about the division? You got obviously Mahomes and Herbert and the Raiders are coming. Like, yeah, I don't think he cares. I don't, I don't think football players, especially at this point in time, he's really consumed with that. If he wants to go to Denver and the way all everything was reported last year, like they came to an agreement. If he wants to go, they'll go. And I I mean, it it seems pretty black and white to me why they hired this guy. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Do you think Brady's done? Uh, he kind of sounded like it. But the difference with him is, like, he's such a football addict that maybe a couple weeks away, it's not like he, you know, he doesn't practice any, I mean, he does practice on his own in the offseason, but he doesn't go to OTAs or anything. So, I, you know, I, it feels like it, but, you know, this guy, it's hard for him to leave. I, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't, like, place a bet on it, even though when you heard him talk, he has never really talked like that, but maybe the emotions were high. I mean, the Antonio Brown thing, uh, you know, and the injuries that they had, that, that was a pretty crazy last month. Probably had to wear on them pretty much. I mean, a lot. Totally. Um, I, it is great. All right, let's get to the games this weekend. Um, what is it about Shanahan's style which has given McVay fits? Well, I think he's, he's, his teams are tougher than him, and part of it is because he's so – reliance is the wrong word he's so obsessed with running the football I mean it's he's like his dad I mean it's he's dead set on it and he's good at it and they're very very physical up front the line of scrimmage on both sides and obviously the Rams are too defensively but offensive line wise they, they have they basically have seven guys that can block because they have a fullback and a tight end where the Rams just become much more pass happy even over before Stafford got here but definitely the last year and to me, when you do that, you, be just, you become softer 
over time, right? Because you practice in the OTAs, you practice in training camp, you practice during the season against each other. So even though you're not like this is injunction boys, like hitting that hard anymore in practice, it's still setting the tone. And I, I would say the other thing is the Niners, they're, you know, five, six core guys are just, you know, would translate to any era complete badasses, right? I mean, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa, the way Fred has played uh, the last four or five weeks, I, you know, I'm not going to say he's like Bowman or Willis, but he is bringing it. And I, 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 there is just a culture on this team, and, and Harbaugh had it, you know, but they had, they probably had better players top to bottom on the Harbaugh teams. Uh, but this team at the top, you know, the top four or five guys are every bit their equals. And they, it just kind of sets the tone for the whole team. I, I've always thought this like with Richard Sherman. It's the reason, like, when he, when he was on the Niners and definitely with Seattle, when your corner is your hardest-hitting guy on the team, like, every uh, the other corners start hitting harder. And I think the Niners get a lot of that, you know, defensively because they got a couple guys that just fly around. And that just gives, you know, the Rams – like, the, the Niners want to mucky up the game. You know, they don't want to – they're not trying to get into, like, a 38-37, you know, shootout. That's just not what – and really what they've ever wanted to do, right? Even on the team two years ago that – hell had a lead what what was it like six seven minutes left in the game by 10 points so yeah. they, they, they want to ugly up the game and that's in in this day and age let's face it like you watch that cincinnati kansas city game back that, that that's a shootout right the, the rams have no problem throwing bombs that, that is the opposite of what san francisco's doing um uh, okay but before we get to the actual bengals chiefs game i haven't talked with you i haven't listened to your stuff because i've been so focused in on my own opinion of it um what do you make of of what McDermott has said in regards to what they did with 13 seconds to go? Like he made it seem like that wasn't what they, they didn't. They want to kick out. Why would they not kick the ball to Byron Pringle? Like, is there any explanation for that? I, I maybe you know sometimes you kind of got to backtrack and you start kind of taking it all in, and there was a miscommunication, but you don't want to totally throw anyone under the bus. It could have been a special team screw up because I. I don't understand, and this also, I think, speaks to that last play that Cooper Cup hit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, you hear this word so many times, right? Communication, communication, communication. Well, in football, the, the number one goal of a coach in during the game, especially when there's like an individual moment, is to make sure every single person is on the same page. And clearly someone was not on the same page there. Now, my, my bigger issue is not with the kickoff. It's the way they handled those two plays, and, and you know, I don't know if you, you see that Kelsey thing that went viral, to not have any resistance, because they still, like, listen, I, I think it's easy after the fact, you, you, 13 seconds at the 25-yard line, I, I don't care if you have 50 timeouts, that's a, that's a long way to go to get in the field goal range. If you, if you just, I don't know, reroute the wide receivers, just have, you know, multiple layers so there's closer – but they, they just gave up 50 yards in the blink of an eye to arguably, you know, the fastest team in league history. I think that is by far a bigger deal than, than the kickoff situation. Uh, but I would imagine, you know, some of his – I just think you're that, that whole organization – I had a buddy who, you know, is an executive on the staff, and we were texting after the game, and he's like, you know – I was like, you guys are pretty lucky because, you know, you, you get to go in the office Monday morning like the 49ers, and it's just – it's elation. I mean, it's a big deal. You're happy, but the Packers and bills will feel like a funeral. And he's like, bro, I just walked by the bills locker room and you kind of peek in. It's just like, it was sad. 
You know, it, it's it's a devastating moment. It's one that you either bounce back from or you kind of don't shake. Haunts you, you know? yeah. That, that's my thing is everybody's like, well, they'll be back. Like, yeah, that those kind of things haunt you. They just do. You know, the, they, good, the good thing, though, Doug, is like their their organization is so dependent on the quarterback and he it was and he had nothing to do like he didn't screw it up. So it, it, like they're still going to ride him like a horse. You know, if, if he had been the guy for whatever, whatever the situation would have been, would have had the devastating moment that that would scare me more than, you know, a couple poor defensive call. I mean, atrocious defensive calls. I don't understand how the Bengals stop Kansas City again like they did in the second half of the first game. And I don't know how they protect. Like, everybody making a big deal, rightfully so, Burrow sacked nine times. But the only reason that he was able to still stand in there and make plays is because the guy on the other side kept turning the ball over. I don't know what the hell Tennessee's doing. Like, they got just run the football, win the game. Um, but I, I just I don't see him having that number of opportunities, and he's still going to be under duress, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been thinking a lot about it. I think when you look back, obviously, the playoff games in probably the last three or four weeks of the season, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best player. Like, I, I do believe Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, but over the last probably five, six games, I think Mahomes and, and Josh Allen's right there too, best players in football. You go back to that Week 17 game, the Chiefs were killing them. I mean, they were up 21-7 for you blink. Then they're up 28-14, but they just – I mean, they're blown assignments. I mean, Jamar Chase looked like Randy Moss meets Jerry Rice meets Terrell Owens. Now, I think you saw last week, right, they were giving up a ton of just easy plays. to. I, I didn't even know that much about the Gabriel Davis guy. The one thing I've heard from Kansas City, and it makes a lot of sense, is a lot of teams, they're, they're quarterback on defense, they're middle linebacker. With the Chiefs, it's their safety. It's Honey Badger. He gets everybody lined up. He, he's no longer probably quite as good as he was, you know, in his peak. But his intelligence is through the roof. And they lost him. It was the first or second series of the game. And it just threw everything off. They, the guys didn't know where to line up. Uh, now, there was a play where the corner slipped on one of the touchdowns. But for the most part, they just had, got, they had miscommunications. So, to me, if Honey Badger's in that game, you know, you would think Spags will adjust a little bit. Look at the Niners, right? You're playing. Now, the, the, the Bengals have, you know, Higgins is a good player. Boyd's a good – like, they have more than one receiver, unlike the Packers. But the Niners treated Devontae Adams like you should. I mean, they, they just threw the kitchen sink at him with multiple guys. To me, you have to treat Jamar Chase like that, kind of like a basketball deal, right? You know, if, if T. Higgins is going to go for 10 for 150, we'll tip our hat. But which, which, we, which by, the, which by, by the way, by the way, that's what's embarrassing about the Bills at the end of the game. Like, look, if somebody's going to beat you with 13 seconds to go, you know the two guys you can't beat you are? Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I did, this is sports 101, right? No, it's, take away their best I, player. I, I right? It's like, it's like the Barry Bonds thing. Like, of course you walk Barry Bonds. <laughs> like, of course you walk him. Make somebody else beat me. And congratulations to the Niners figuring it out. I, sorry, I'm just still fired up. That I can't believe the Bills lost out. Real quick, who wins the games? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm biased on this one, but I, I'm going Niners. I think we got an, another epic game, and I, I mean, I think the Chiefs handle them. I mean, I, for the gambling standpoint, I love the Chiefs minus seven. I, I think that place is going to be going berserk, and I, I know he's like, I've never been to a place like the SEC. Well, get ready, boy, because this thing is going to be loud. And I think the I think the Niners, Doug, and I'm sure you're following this story. I, I think they're. I, I was there week 18, and there it was minimum 50-50. I think this game's going to be worse. This is going to be a Niner home game come Sunday. Why? Why do you think that is? 
just the affluence of San Francisco fan, fans. Like well, I understand, I, think, I, I, think, I, I understand the LA thing much better than uh, m- more than everybody else. But wh- why the why the nine why the Niner? Be, be, do you think it's because there's so many Niner fans in LA, or do you think it's the affluence of those Niner fans coming down? I, I think it's a combination of everything. I, I think it's the Niners have a boatload of fans. I mean, they've had right. I mean, they just have a, a long several generations of people, especially in this state. Travels easy. Niner fan household income probably highest in the league. Uh, the stadium sweet, right? It's it's kind of this new rivalry. I, I think there are just a ton of variables, but ultimately, like in this state, if you from from San Diego up to Chico, what would you say the ratio is of people that root and watch the Niners relative to just truly root for the Rams? A thousand to one? I mean, well, well, again, in 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 the state, I would say it's Raiders one. Niners two, uh, I would not Ra- disagree. Cowboys there. three, and and then we start to get to maybe Steelers four, and then Rams, and wait, and then Chargers are are below even other ones. Like all right, we'll, we'll have this discussion another day. I I I think the I think the the Niners are more popular uh, with affluence, but I think the Raiders are the most the more popular. All right, we'll get well. That's we'll let you ruminate over that one. John Middlecoff three and outs the podcast. 